If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to National Park After Dark. We have a very, very exciting episode today. I tried my very best not to fangirl. You did great. Thank you. I really tried. <laughs> so we are really excited because today is a little bit of a unique episode. We have a collaboration with one of our favorite podcasts ever, and that is Morbid. I don't think they need much of an introduction since they are really well known in the true crime community. As far as podcasting, they've been doing this for many years, and it was such a pleasure to speak with them. And this podcast, I when I was moving out west, I was listening to them like on my road trip. So to see even in our email, like looking forward to our chat, I'm like, you're going to talk to me? Why? <laughs> it's just it's so exciting because obviously Morbid is such a big podcast and they've been very very successful Ash and Elena have and um, to see how far our podcast has grown and that we're getting the opportunity to talk with them and uh, to hang out and do some fun stories and or I say fun I should say some morbid stories but we're even going to go to some national parks and national um, park run areas today so it's super exciting and we're we're just so stoked for this this is such a fun point in our show and how far we've grown and now we get to hang out and talk to the girls from morbid who we've just been listening to for years yeah and we did do this is probably now a couple weeks this is a couple weeks ago, we did an episode on their show. We covered a couple of spooky lighthouses. So if you're interested in that, you should go check that out. And it was released on August 24th on their feed. But today we have them on our show and we're kind of bringing them out of their comfort zone a little bit. So we agreed on having them do, we said, you can pick whatever stories you would like to do. We don't want to hear what they are as long as they're in an area that is either a national park or run by the National Park Service. Let us know the place and we will do some background research on the location and then you can tell us a story. So that's what we did. That's how the format of today is going to go. Uh, Cassie and I are going to introduce the locations and then Ash and Elena will be telling us a story. Yeah, so we're so, so excited. Let's all welcome to the show Ash and Elena. Hello. Well, thank you so much, Ash and Elena, for joining us. We're so excited to have you here. We're big fans of your podcast, Morbid. So thank you so thank much. You. We're excited yeah. to the ladies yeah. who 
need no introduction. We had so much. <laughs> we had so much fun on your show uh, a couple weeks ago now, and everyone when we posted it, our like audience was going nuts. Oh, I love that. Oh, when we said that we were that you guys were on, everyone went nuts. Yep. Everyone was like, "This is a great collaboration," and it was so much fun. We had a great time, and terrible Tilly. People are like, I've had so many people from who like <laughs> live around in the Pacific Northwest. They're like. I have to go now. Oh, because yeah. it's so close. You have to. So. I want to go, and it's not even close to me. I'm yeah, like, let's yeah. go. <laughs> it's the farthest, and I still want to go. It is. Yeah. It's literally the farthest. Yeah. But I want to go. Yeah. Well, today we're bringing you to the dark side, and yes. we're bringing you outdoors. Woo! I know it's a little <laughs> out of your comfort zone. Completely out of our comfort zone. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I know you guys have two stories today, and Cassie and I just know the location, but we don't know the actual stories. Ooh. So we're going to do a little intro to the story or the location itself, and then you take it away. Perfect. So, Sounds good. Scare the pants off you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. So we're going to first go to the Appalachian Trail, right? Yes. Perfect. And Cassie, you you haven't done the AT, but your friend has, right? Erin. Yeah, my friend Erin, uh, she did the AT last year and it seems pretty fun and also just a lot. I mean, Intense. walking thousands of miles. It's, it's I the joined most. Her on a, I joined the her most. on a portion of it. It's the oh, most. did you really? <laughs> I joined her. I say I joined her, but it was in Vermont and I was there for like six miles and then I went home hey, and slept in my bed. Six so. more than I would have done, <laughs> so go just, off, girl. I was just going to say six more than I've done, so... <laughs> Six more than I'll probably ever do. So <laughs> it's close by if you guys ever want to like hop on it just for a minute. Just be like, oh, true. we stepped on it. I'm pretty sure we might I've stepped on it at one point, but I did not hike. I probably have I probably yeah, I probably haven't. Yeah. I've I've seen it. I've heard of it. I've I'm sure I've seen a tree on it or something. There you go. Yeah, you've seen like the little white marker yeah, for exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Like, there, there it is. There you go. Is. <laughs> and it's a beautiful trail. I mean, it goes, like Cassie said, thousands of miles. So I'll do a brief intro on it for anyone who is not familiar with the AT. Because like we said, when we were on your show, we kind of talked about how national parks are way more than just like the big units like Yellowstone and Yosemite. So the AT is managed by the National Park Service. And it spans 15 states. It comes in at roughly 2,193 miles and is the longest hiking only trail in all of the U.S. The trail passes through eight different national forests and six different national parks and is known for its spectacular view of the Appalachian Mountains, which is what it's named after. And because the trail is so long and travels through so many various landscapes and different climates, there's a diverse amount of plant and animal life here, depending where you are on the trail, of course. So if you're there, you can run into black bears, coyotes, porcupine, moose, deer, there's herons and woodpeckers, rattlesnakes and black widows, and then like chipmunks and turtles and nicer things. <laughs> the black um, widows. And then there's chipmunks there too. Yeah, so don't, and squirrels. Yeah, can't forget them. <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, North America's iconic wildlife here throughout the trail. And even though there's a lot of cool wildlife, it is the trails known to be particularly challenging because there's an estimated 450 thousand feet worth of elevation changes throughout the trail and some Whoa. peaks reach over six thousand feet in oh elevation. My God. 
So to say it's a little complex and quite strenuous would be a little bit of an understatement, which makes anyone who accomplishes this trail just like rock stars oh, in our yeah. books. Hint to hand out medals for all real this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, like a picture <laughs> at the at the end is just yeah. like kind of like it's so just so gratifying, and then it's just like okay, that's yeah, it. I, I did guess. That. <laughs> Exactly. I think they do do certificates and little pins that they send you if you like prove or document that you Good. actually did it. So you do get they like should. something and you get like recognition into the Hall of Fame of AT hikers. Of, I did. Oh, it. nice. Yeah. Yes. I mean, someone should be responsible for handing that out because yeah. it is quite the accomplishment. And every single year, about 3 million people hike some portion of the AT. So that's a lot of people. But according to the Appalachian Trail Conservancy, just over 3,000 attempt to hike the entirety of the AT, the whole 2,000-ish miles. And one in four, roughly, will complete the whole thing from start to finish. Jeez. So Aaron is a badass. Yeah. For real. Breathing rarefied yeah. air over there. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to listen to this and she's going to be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you are impressive. Didn't she do, um, this is, to I'm like totally putting a spotlight on her, but she's the only person I know that's, that's done this. Did, what didn't, wasn't there a portion where she like did it naked? Yeah, it's that part of makes the. makes um... her so much better. <laughs> Somehow. I didn't think she could get better. It's part of like what you do on the trail. I guess you do like a day of hiking naked and she has a photo where she just has like a leaf in front of her. That's phenomenal. <laughs> That's awesome. That is magnificent. I love that it's like just for tradition. Yeah, just That's cause. great. It's like it's yeah. time. Just being one with nature. It's kind of tradition in Vermont because I have been out on the trail sometimes, not on the AT, just hiking. The other day I was out hiking and I walked by and there was just a naked guy walking down the trail. I'm like, oh, wow. Hey, wow. What's up? Just free. Yeah. He was very respectful, though. He like turned around and hit away from hit me and kind of shied away, yeah. hit his business. And then he's like, hey, have a nice hike. And then he like waited for me to walk by and then he continued. I was like, oh, that's really nice because I was kind. by myself. I yeah, have. I was very kind. I'm like, I he's not I, being weird. The rules are so freeing. I would not so know freeing. how to respond to that. Like, I just feel like, wow. You just feel like, right. hey, you too, man. Get it, dude. <laughs> sure. Nice breeze out here today. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Hope you have sunscreen on, my dude, because happened um i think i've told you this cassie like when i lived in colorado the first time i was going we were hiking up to like the this abandoned mine shaft to look at the uh free-tailed bats like migration Ooh. and we get a, it's like sunset like we're getting up there we're like two miles in and all of a sudden there's like we encounter like three different naked like nudist people i had no idea the, this was like part of hiking neither did i <laughs> it's, just like, it's not common I it's not this common like, it's a subgenre. everyone's naked <laughs> an and obstacle that you will come across <laughs> well uh, to be fair the biologist that was leading this particular like little trek he was like oh yeah sorry we hike through a nudist colony to get to uh, our i'm like that oh, makes sense okay <laughs> you're like all right would have been nice to like, just like as a heads up so i wasn't rude <laughs> just like you know we're infiltrating not yeah. them <laughs> 
Yeah, oh my god. It's like you feel kind of like you're the one out of place. Yeah. Like, do I have way. to take my clothes off? Yeah. <laughs> you feel like you're like voyeuristically there. You're like, I swear I'm not. I'm just, I'm just going through Everyone's here. like side-eyeing you. Like, who is this person with clothes on? Yeah, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I can take my top off if you want. I'm so it sorry. It makes you feel more comfortable. <laughs> but um, anyways, okay. So for those on the trail on the AT which is not going through a nudist colony that I'm aware of. Um, there is an option to stay in one of the more more than 250 backcountry shelters located throughout the trail. They average about eight miles apart, although there are some stretches of the trail where there can be up to 30 miles of nothing in between locations. Wow. And one of those shelters is named the Wapiti Shelter, meaning elk in both Cree and Shawnee, the mammal was once abundant in the Appalachians until around the 1860s when they were locally extirpated from the area through various hunting methods. And this shelter is situated in Virginia along the trail, and it's northeast of the popular campground of Walnut Flats. And from what I hear, it's where Elena is taking us today for her story. It sure is. Woohoo! And that, thank you for that. I, oh, I want to say it like Winnie. Thank you for that marvelous introduction. Ooh, there you go. Oh, ooh. So, I love that. She brings that. the morbid quick. I was like, wait, where is this quote from? All right. So <laughs> I'm going to be taking you guys back to 1981 and then pulling you forward to 2008. So there's real two journey. separate events here. Okay. Way back in May 1981, we're going to be following Laura Susan Susu Ramsey and her very good friend Robert Mountford Jr. They were both 27 years old at the time. They were working as social workers from Maine. They were going to be hiking this trail together. I believe that uh, Laura joined Robert like halfway through. He was doing like the entire trail. Gotcha. Now, I wasn't able to find a ton about Robert Mountford Jr., like his life or anything before this, but I did find, I I ended up stumbling upon a page that was talking about Laura, and it said that she was a musician, a singer, an actress. She was said to be hilarious, super intelligent, like straight A student. She was very loving, just like an amazing person to be around. She was elected homecoming queen of her high school. And everything that I read was like, she wasn't that typical homecoming queen that was elected because she was like the popular girl. Like she was elected because everyone genuinely was like, she is a queen. Like she is just wonderful. Like she's just the best. Yeah. Like she just treats everyone amazingly. Everyone feels comfortable around her. She was just like purely wonderful, basically. Uh, Her epitaph actually states that she was a ray of sunshine. And everyone says that it's the perfect descriptor for her. Now, they were actually hiking the Appalachian Trail together for a fundraiser. Uh, They were raising money for a school for disabled children back in Maine, and this school was actually run by Robert's mother, which makes this whole thing even more tragic when we find out what happens. It also just shows how good of people they were. I mean, you just said she's a ray of sunshine, and then she's they're out there for disabled children. I mean, that's amazing. Exactly. And that his mother runs this school. It's like, clearly, this is just like a whole gene pool of amazing people. Really? So May 19th, 1981, they ended up eating dinner together with a fellow hiker by the name of Randall Lee Smith. They had met him at one of the general stores along the way, and he just kind of like hung out with them. But they said everyone who saw him was like, he was a little strange but they were really nice people and everyone says that you know along the Appalachian Trail you kind of help each other out you're nice to each other it's like this nice little community of people who just want to help each other out and just want to see each other get to where they want to go 
Yeah, and you're all there for the same reason. You're all in the same situation. Yeah, exactly. like yeah, everybody, you know, <laughs> this person can have probably help you with this thing and you'll be able to help them with another thing. It's just like a nice little community there. One hand washes the other. Exactly. And they were on their way at this time, May 19th, to the Wapiti shelter and they were going to be staying there for the night. Now, talking about Randall Smith really quick, he was a troubled kid who came from a very strange home life with his mother, Loretta. There was a lot of weird things in his childhood. He was known as a loner in school. He was obsessed with taking off on the Appalachian Trail, especially on the weekends. He would just be gone, like just going off into the wilderness. Uh, It was usually probably to escape his very like kind of sad life and also probably his own thoughts. People in his life described him as a habitual liar as he got older. He Good. even had the nickname LR for Lion Randall. Lion people Randall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. And apparently he didn't really care about that. Like, people would call him that and he was like, yeah. Like, he just, he was perfectly fine with being called that. He's proud of it. He's like, yeah, I am that. Yeah. He's like, you can't trust me. <laughs> so leave me alone. No. <laughs> oh, no. He's bleak. So, yeah, he, he is bleak. Bleak like, Lion every, Randall. Honestly, everything about Randall Smith, his entire life was bleak till the very end. Now, they all had a meal together at the Wapiti shelter. They had invited him to sit with them and eat. Like, they were those kind of people. Had a nice meal. Everybody's chatting. After the meal was done, Smith suddenly stands up and just attacks Laura and Robert. Out of nowhere, unprovoked, just attacked them. He ended up shooting Mountford in the head with a twenty-two caliber pistol. Just oh my shot God. him, pulled out a pistol and shot him in the head. Then he ended up bludgeoning Laura with a piece of iron that he produced out of his pocket and stabbed her multiple times. He killed them both. He dragged the bodies away in their own sleeping bags and he buried them in shallow graves away from each other. Oh my. And this was unprovoked Nothing was stolen from them. Like, they had just fed him. They had just fed him and treated him like a human being. Like, that's That's all they had done. scary. Was just invited him to eat with them. Just a total random act of violence. Completely random. And what we find out, too, is there is no motive. Like, this guy has no motive for what he does. just wanted to. He's just an evil guy. Like, he really is. And they were reported missing really quickly because uh, there was a fellow hiker that they had met on this trip because obviously they came along across a lot of people and they were really cool people. So they made a lot of friends. And so this fellow hiker had made plans with them to meet in a place above Parisburg, but they didn't show up. And when they didn't show up, she couldn't get in touch with them. So she contacted the police and were like, I'm concerned they wouldn't just blow me off like this. And they're really experienced. I don't think they got lost along the way. So their family members actually ended up driving out from Maine to come here and aid in the search. And all of them were super concerned. They were all 100% sure that foul play had happened here because especially Robert was such a skilled woodsman that they were like, I don't see an accident happening. Like something bad happened here. And authorities asked people on the trail if they had seen the couple or heard from them because obviously they had made some friends. And a few of them mentioned that they had seen Robert and Laura with a, quote, strange looking man. And they said they saw them in various places on the trail with him, especially leading up to their disappearance. Most of them said they'd seen them all heading towards that Wapiti shelter area. Now, during this investigation and search, multiple people also said 
that's someone they had known or come across who went by the name of Lion Randall was walking around telling people that he knew what happened to those missing hikers. So he was just bragging about it. Oh, God. So yeah. he's just telling people. And he's doing this on the trail, you said? Yeah, he's going on the trail. And when and obviously this was spreading through like the hiking community. So like everybody on the trail was like a little on edge being right. like, what happened to these people? Like we it's gotta be careful. Yeah, like everybody was taking safety precautions and he's yeah. walking around and people are talking about it. And when he hears people talking, I wonder where they are. I wonder what happened. He's like, I know what happened. Ugh. And like, won't say what happened. He's just telling Imagine them Imagine being alone out there and someone says that to you and yeah. you're just like, I don't have service. I can't call 911 and I'm in the middle of the woods. And I'm yeah and i'm stuck here like i can't just be like okay i'm done i'm gonna leave now it's like nope now i have to hike all the way back out if i want to leave it's like i'm right. 30 miles away from civilization right yeah now. right like, what do you do there it's so oh. scary and he was a scary guy like he was just he had a scary way about him mm. he looked scary it was just these people were really good people for just like sitting with him and having dinner and not being like okay creep like please go yeah. away right i was gonna say it sounds like everyone else was like he was scary and yeah. Like, yeah it's okay like, and they we'll were just like sure and... we'll feed you dinner like we'll just hang out with you because you seem like you're strange and a loner and we'll just kind of be nice extend some kindness yeah exactly and as we'll see he even recognizes that they were kind people because he actually they find a note later that he reveals like wow they were really nice to me wow. like he's yeah so he was just evil now may 30th 11 days after they went missing the wapiti shelter was finally searched and investigators found a ton of blood between the floorboards. All of a sudden, they I think one of them was looking down and was like, I saw this weird dark stuff between the floorboards and I stuck a knife in there and kind of like skidded it across. And when I pulled it out, it was wet blood. Ooh. Now the blood matched that of Robert Mountford and Laura Ramsey. A search of the area revealed a barely covered in leaves gravesite about 30 yards away from the crime scene. This is when they found Laura Ramsey in her sleeping bag. The following day, and they looked everywhere. They didn't find, they could not find Robert. The following day, they brought in canines, and the canines were the ones that led them to Robert, who was also found in his sleeping bag a few hundred yards away from the crime scene. And again, barely covered, like shallow graves, just leaves thrown on them. Like he so, didn't care if they were yeah. found or not. Now, autopsies showed that Robert had been shot in the head and Laura had been, in, she had intensely fought back against her attacker. There was tons of defensive wounds. She had been hit very hard in the, in the head with a piece of iron and he had used not only a knife to stab her, but a long nail was used to stab her over oh 13 times. Yeah. A nail? Yeah, a long nail, which I'm like, what? And it just shows you that he like came prepared and ready to do this. Because oh, why yeah. else would he have an iron pipe and a long nail? Like he has several different weapons on him. And these aren't weapons like you don't need in a big long nail to fight a bear off. No. Yeah. And no. for something with no motive, it's so personal. Exactly. Yeah. And so no. vicious. And like, like rage filled. Yeah. It's really scary to think that somebody that you spend the entire evening with and like the whole day with just snaps out of nowhere, just pulls out a gun and shoots you in the head. Well, and like, it's like no argument, nothing. Yeah. And it's like, did he snap or was he planning on doing this to them all day? And it's like they were sitting with him all day and didn't even realize that yeah. this was going to happen. Probably. He probably had this in his and head. And we're hiking. Yeah. Right. They're just hiking together, have no idea. Wow. And investigators also found around this crime scene a paperback book that Laura had in her bag that she was reading along the trail. And inside the book, they found bloody fingerprints on the book 
and they were matched to Randall Lee Smith, wow. who was already in the system because he had uh, worked for some like shipyards and he had to have his fingerprints on file. So they were able to match it right away. Now they searched Smith's home and they found a blood soaked pair of blue jean shorts that belonging to him in the blood was matching the victims. They found it in the basement of his home. They also found what was said to be, they wouldn't say exactly what was found, but they said other items belonging to the missing hikers down there. Now, interestingly, according to the Standard Times, and it was an article written by Will Haywood, they apparently also found medical instruments down there that he had fashioned into sex toys. Bye. Yeah, thought that was interesting. No. Yeah. What kind of medical? Thank you. Because when I read that, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, what exactly, what medical thing did you fashion into? What? Yeah, like, I'm just, like, racking my brain of, like, trying to think of any type of instrument. Everything is stainless steel and sharp. (laughs) I'm actually shutting my brain down in order to not think about that. I was really trying to come up with what these could be, but I cannot fathom that's what for the did. better that's for the better it really guys. is we don't, we don't need to know <laughs> we weren't meant to we're just of, like yeah yes. <laughs> and did he work in the medical field how did he obtain medical instrument i mean it's not difficult but it's random but it's like where did that come from well his mother had worked in the laundry room of a hospital his uh, entire life and they think that maybe uh, uh, he had stolen those items at some point during that time Now, they also found a note in the ashtray of his truck, and this note was just a little scribbled note that he had written, and it said, quote, this boy and girl have been so nice to me. It's going to be a real shame when the time comes to get rid of them. Or like it so doesn't have to come to fully get, planning. Like, what? Fully planning it. Fully planned ahead. It's like, oh, they're really nice, but yeah, bummer. it's going to happen. Yeah. And just recognizing like they've been really kind to me and that now I have to do this. And it's like, you don't. And that there's no reason for yeah, it. None. Yeah, none. Like, just no motive given at all. And like oh. you were saying, like, people thought he was scary looking and, like, yeah. felt, like, off about him. I'm sure he ran into people that were not nice to him. And it's like, I mean, I'm yeah. happy he didn't pick other people, but you picked the two people that were the kindest? Yeah, that's the thing. I don't get it. It just makes you not want to be nice. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> yep. And that's the thing. It's so true. I was driving home today, actually, and the long trail is in my town um, and goes through. And there is this guy hitchhiking. And the I'm sure where he was going, it's about like four miles north of my house. And I'm like, oh, if I didn't think you were going to murder me, I would totally give you a ride. Right? <laughs> if I didn't know but you were going to murder alas, me. Here yeah. we are. Alas. alas terrified. I'm just going to go home. Yeah. Absolutely not. So and you look at the 70s and hitchhiking and it's like, woof. Yeah. There's been so many cases that I'm like, ooh, glad I never did that and never picked anyone up. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. Well, and it's so sad because so the hiking community as a whole kind of like you touched on, especially on the AT, there is a community yeah. of – you know, like, we want to help each other out, and we're all here for the same reasons. You and look like, out for each other. You look out for each other, and there's a lot of, t- I mean, not to call Cassie out, but Cassie and her partner, Al, like, took in people from the trail. It, with the long yeah. trail, was it? Yeah, some through hikers we met um, out hiking, and they were like, oh, we're staying in this town tonight. 
Um, but there's no hotels or anything. And I was like, oh, I live in that town. Do you want to just like stay here? Oh my it God. was kind of a mutual trust though, you know, like they had to trust we weren't bringing them yeah, into for them. Yeah. And, it's true. And yeah, now we're so, all friends. And now it's fr- your friends. Yeah. And it's like, that is kind of the understanding, like that mutual understanding that like you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. We're all yeah. here for the same thing. And then, but there's, it's things like this that make you pause. question that mm-hmm. and pause and it's a shame because nine times out of ten it's like could be a beautiful like friendship yeah exactly. friendship. or even just a cool couple hours with somebody like yeah. Yeah, you might meet somebody that you never would have exactly yeah, yeah. and that's in from what i've read just to like point it out again this trail is supposedly when it comes to like safety it's a very safe trail like murders are not common rapes are not common assaults are not common on this trail like it is considering how huge it is like there would likely i think like proportionally it would be it probably should be a lot more considering what a terrible thing the human race is but there's it's a really safe place so this is a very strange thing to happen so like a hiker Mm -hmm. shouldn't be scared to like hike this trail that they're going to be murdered because it's really not a common thing yeah but the at is actually full of really great people for the most part exactly and that's the thing and you should be able to trust another it just sucks that we can't trust another human being just to be a kind person like that you have to second guess somebody being kind is like, are you just being kind so you can murder me? Like you, yeah, right. It sucks like, that we have to do that. What's yeah. the caveat here? Yeah, is, right. Like, why are we the worst? <laughs> why are we the worst thing that happened it's to like, this why planet? Why can't I just give you a ride? Or yeah. why can't I just eat dinner next to you? Or because the world yeah. would be such a nice place if we all just like stop murdering each other. You know, it'd be great. I wish. If, if, if it was that easy, we could just be like, hey, guys, let's all stop murdering each other. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And everyone was right. like, great wow. idea. I never thought of that. That's a great idea. Because, <laughs> like, you taking in the hikers, like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. And it's like, yeah. but everybody's got to, like, second guess, like, is this person? I'm sure they were, like, walking in and they're like, yeah. all right, where are the exits? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but it really is, like, a rare thing. But... After this whole thing, once they found the stuff, the really strange things in his basement, he had actually fled the state and was nowhere to be I found. Bet. Yeah, he got out of there. So at this time, the manhunt is active for him. They know this is the guy, but it's kind of at a standstill at the same time because they don't know where he went. And yeah. that's scary because they know he's an active hiker and like yeah. an outdoorsman, so he could be lurking anywhere. Exactly. Any he could trail. Exactly. And he was an avid outdoorsman. Right. Like he was going to be able to stay outside for a long time. They're just hitting walls at this point. So the investigator leading the case was Tom Lawson. And at this point, he said it was so overwhelming and it was just like they were hitting wall after wall. And he said he took his family, like his kids and his wife, on just like a little getaway to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. He was like, we were literally going for a few days just to like clear my mind because I was so stressed about this case. And at this point, while they were there, he was called by the police station back home and told that police had arrested Randall Lee Smith. But they didn't arrest him back there. They arrested him in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. What? Where he was. Yeah. Like, what are the odds? Oh, that's scary. He's like, why did I go on vacation in the place that he had run away to? It's like, I was trying to get away from this. And I followed him. Here? Yeah. What? Unbeknownst to me. Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) 
Wow. It was wild. And, I was like, what are the odds? And Randall didn't know that he was there? No idea. That's like, Randall weird. had just run there before. That's crazy. He happened to go. So weird. Now, when they picked him up, he said that he had amnesia, and he didn't even know his name. He didn't know why he was in mm-hmm. Myrtle Beach, didn't know his name, didn't know anything. If it doesn't work for the housewives, it's not going to work for you. <laughs> you should have said it to him, you know. <laughs> That's what I should have called you down there and been like, this does not work for the housewives. I would have told him. So, you know. But they were like, we know this is not amnesia. We know that you know who you are, but we got to figure out how to like trick you into admitting that you know who you are. So apparently he had like this guy he had clearly been staying outside he had been like on the run because he was covered in bug bites covered and they said he had like scratched some of them raw it was just like really bad and he was clearly uncomfortable and like a mess the bugs knew they did and so the the police were like hmm okay we can use this so one of them was like dude like i like you know i know a doctor and i know that some of these are like really bad and need medical attention like right now like they're gonna get really bad like you could die from this you should probably see a doctor and he was like oh shit okay and they were like okay cool those bug bites are fatal they were literally like these (laughs) mosquito bites could kill you my dude and he was like i believe you right so he was like that sounds right yeah and he totally (laughs) bought it that's all they did and they went here's a consent form a medical consent form and we'll get you a doctor in here and he signed the paper randall lee smith what a ding idiot and they were like uh, oh, come like, on really dude <laughs> i have amnesia but i do know my signature and my name yep and they were just like thank you randall <laughs> and he was like how's that amnesia doing crap so you feeling better son so that fell apart real quick for him Good. uh but they brought him back to they extradited him back to virginia and now instead of saying i have amnesia and i don't remember anything they were like you need to tell us what happened and he just said no i'm not telling you yeah and he just said i'm not talking about it so now they're like you remember what happened he's like sure do just not gonna tell you wouldn't talk about it yeah refused to acknowledge them such a dick and they did psychiatric testing on him because of the whole amnesia thing they were like let's clear that out and make sure he was also kind of showing he was kind of pretending to have like dissociative disorder traits like he was really trying to play on like i don't know what's going on i'm mm. i'm not even here but they found out through testing that he was 100 percent faking all of it completely faking everything and what makes it so clear that he was very sane when he did this was the complete premeditation like he had written down a note saying it's going to be a shame i have to get rid of them and the completely diabolical way he tried to cover up the crime after he did it he hid the bodies which is a logical way of thinking for a killer who wants to get away with their crime mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also this shows that he's aware he did something wrong and would be arrested for it if he right. was caught. Like, that is a very clear line of thinking for a sane person. He also went back down the trail after he murdered them, and he removed Laura and Robert's names and information from any logbooks along the way at stops. Wow. To make oh, sure wow. people couldn't follow their path. Like, that is beyond calculated so calculated he also ripped the film out of laura's camera and took it with him they never found it oh that's sad too because like her family should have which is chilling too because i'm like did you take pictures like what happened oh yeah together yeah Mm -hmm. during or whatever that's the thing it's so just removing any sort of evidence of him being associated with them yeah other than word of mouth of exactly course. Mm-hmm. which is what i think happened i'm sure they took pictures together and he thought about it and yep. was like i gotta take this away yep. which is 
calculated. So again, no motive found. He would not even try to spill a motive out. But they were trying to prove also that they believed that Laura, unfortunately, had been sexually assaulted. Uh, unfortunately, because the deteriorations of her remains when they found her, they weren't able to physically prove it. But they were trying to get him to admit it because they knew they could get him on that too and get a bigger sentence mm -hmm. on top of everything. But they weren't able to. He would not speak. They couldn't get any of it. And everyone was, everything was moving towards a trial. And then suddenly the night before, out of nowhere, he pleads guilty to two counts of second degree murder, which I'm like, how second degree murder? Yeah, like you wrote down, <laughs> it's a shame these people are going to have to die. Like the note, the removing the logbook stuff, the like, it, that's all very, there's premeditation yep. and this cover up involved. All of it. Yeah, this was clearly intentional. It wasn't, but I'm sure second degree murder carries way lighter sentence. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he took this random plea deal and apparently the attorney felt the case wasn't as strong because they didn't have a motive. But the investigators disagreed completely and they were like, no, evidence, we have tons of physical evidence. <laughs> yeah. His fingerprints are there. Yep. I don't know what the attorney a, was yeah, thinking. In blood. Literally yeah. in blood on her book was his fingerprints. The note and then everything found in his house. I'm like, oh, I think you And they found him. he was lying yeah. about amnesia too. Yeah. And he ran. It's like, hello. I wonder if they just didn't want to go through the trial. Yeah. Well, I mean, Laura and Robert's families agreed to it, but they were not happy about it at first, mm. but they agreed. They were also, the victims' families were so respectful of each other during this process. Like, Aww. Robert's father, Robert Mountford Sr., said that they were only going to take that plea deal, they were only going to agree to allowing that to happen if the Ramses were okay with it. So, like, the two of them were like, we have to agree 100%. Nobody, if, if one person in these two families doesn't want that plea deal and wants to have a trial go through, we all agree. That's awesome. Which is really cool. Like, that doesn't happen all the time. Time. And he ended up being sentenced to 30 years in prison, which I don't think is enough. But that's just me. For murdering two people in cold blood, I wouldn't say so. Yeah, and it gets worse. So oh, good. people were shook oh. from this. There was like a lot of people questioning, like we were just talking about whether the trail was safe, freaking out about like, should I even go on the Appalachian Trail now? The crime got, the crime's got a ton of coverage. So of course, again, it's very rare. There, another one of these did not happen like for a long time. Like it's a very rare thing. Now, he ended up being released from prison in 1996 after only 15 years. What? He got out on good behavior, which is bullshit. Oh my God. Oh my. I never get that because of course you're going to behave well if you think you're going to get let out of prison and you can do exactly what you did to land in prison in the first place. Exactly. It like, makes me crazy. It's like, okay, well, he wasn't behaving good before. Right. Yeah. So why are we, like, extending the opportunity to someone who commits such a brutal, vicious act yeah after serving even 50 percent like i understand that there is reform and people you know all sure for sure like, we're not here to get into that <laughs> no, no totally not. but <laughs> but at the same time like it's just a huge for lack of a better term it's a slap in the face to the families and the victims and to just be like yeah well he's he's being chill here so he yeah can go. Like, he, like he listens what? to us in here, so I think it's fine. And it's like, you, he, he didn't even give you a He listens to us with armed security. Exactly. Yeah, right, exactly. He's locked behind bars and he's doing pretty good at it. And it's like, I don't, what? That's not the same as being allowed to wander one of the biggest trails in the country. Like, that's a little different. He can't mm -hmm. hunt people in prison. Exactly. Right. 
And it's like, you don't, that was such a brutal, brutal crime. And for, and he spent time with these people. He liked these people seemingly. Like he got to know these people and then he brutally murdered them. That's a whole different kind of beast, in my opinion. Definitely. And he wasn't remorseful. No, not at all. That's the thing. And wouldn't even say what happened. And it wasn't like self-defense. It wasn't like... It was just because. A crime of passion, which would still be messed up, but at least there would be like some kind of like motive involved in it just nothing just i had to do it and i did it how do you deem him safe for society yeah that's the thing i don't get it i don't understand it but the families of laura and robert were horrified rightfully so that was not Mm -hmm. enough time for what was done to their loved ones he ended up going to um, to live with his mother back in his like childhood home in Ingram, and he had a mandatory monitoring bra- bracelet fitted for his ankle because he was on a 10-year monitored probation. He was quiet, didn't get into any trouble, not even a parking ticket. And then... Nothing. But remembered, he was being monitored very closely up until about 2006. So of course he's going to be quiet. He has a monitor bracelet on. 2008 came around and his neighbors reported into police saying there's all this mail piling up on his front door and like, we haven't seen him for a while. Like, you might want to go check on him. (laughs) Like, I don't know what's going on. Nervous. So they went in. Nothing really crazy was found during the search of his house or anything. But they did find out that his utilities had been turned off because of non-payment okay and he wasn't there and he at this point he's living separately from his mom yeah his mom had actually passed away from cancer like years before oh okay so no one's in the house and they're like okay so i don't know what happened to him so a search party is formed because they're like we should probably find out where he is because he is like a convicted felon and they put out posters and they they were thinking he was probably along the appalachian trail because that's where he would go Mm -hmm. so they put up posters along the trail and they were passing them out to people with his picture on them being like just we don't know what's going on like if you come across him maybe be a little careful which i'm like maybe he shouldn't be out then i don't know that's yeah. just me maybe he should be banned from the trail think that's <laughs> why literally would he not be my next line right yeah. here is love that he was allowed back there should be banned for life after murdering right. two people but that's just me like i don't know <laughs> people get banned from like whole ass states yes. like, like you're not gonna ban him from the place less. where he killed yeah for way less way less and yeah. you're not gonna ban him from the place where he brutally murdered two people yeah and unfortunately it's like a perfect hunting ground for him exactly because he knows it like the back of his hand too yeah so may 8th 2008 which what's with may the first one happened in may so i think may is something must be significant i couldn't find what but there's definitely significance mother's day a guy named sean farmer headed out to meet with his friend scott johnson to go fishing along the appalachian trail up above dismal falls They'd been there a bunch of times. They'd grown up around there. They were going to camp there, I think, for just a night, just kind of hang out. Like, they do this all the time. And when Sean arrived, all of a sudden, this guy walks up to him at the campsite. He didn't see Sean, or he didn't see Scott yet. But this guy walks up to him. He's like an older guy, like kind of like thin and hunched over. And he's like, hey, I'm Ricky Williams. No, and he's not. like, hi, Ricky Williams. <laughs> like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I met your friend Scott. You must be Sean. Like, we we were just fishing up there next to each other. And he's like, you know, Scott told me that I could join you guys for dinner. Is that all right with you? And he's like, sure. Like, why not? Yeah, whatever. Like, cool. So together, like, they go fishing. They do some more fishing together. Together, they had fried trout and beans over a fire. They're all just sitting, shooting the shit. And when he's done, he sincerely thanked them for the meal. And they were like, no problem, dude. Like, and they said, like, this is just what you do. But Ricky Williams 
was actually Randall Lee Smith. And after thanking them for their hospitality, he pulled out a 22 caliber revolver and shot both Sean and Scott. Sean was hit in the temple and in the chest, and he was shot in the chest when he ran at Randall to attack him, to try to stop him. Scott was hit in the side of the neck, then hit again in the back of the neck and in the back when he ran into the woods away from him. Shot three times? Three times at least. Oh my god. He was literally in the woods having to plug the hole in his neck with his finger to stop the bleeding. Okay. They oh. survived this. Both of them Both survived. Of them. Both of them. Wow. And they actually fled the scene in Smith's truck. They took his truck, fled the scene. One of them is driving with literally the one that was shot in the temple was driving. The other one is sitting what? there trying to hold his neck together. Like they're driving Your neck down. Is pretty. Yeah. And it's somehow Ooh. it missed like every major artery and like the jugular somehow wow that's like a miracle and they are literally it's dark out they're on this like windy road and he can he's been shot in the temple and and he's trying to like it's wild they ended up going several miles away and finally came upon a house which was like miles and miles away and a woman named melissa miller opened her door for them took them into her home and immediately called police and called the um the paramedics for them now sean later said that randall lee smith's face he can remember it perfectly he said when he pulled out that gun and started shooting. There was no emotion on his face. He stared us both in the eyes and just kept coldly shooting at us. Didn't what? say anything, just shooting at us. And he's like, it was wild. Now, Smith, actually, Randall e. Smith stole Scott Johnson's Ford Ranger because they had stolen his car to go get out of there. Like, stole, I say. Yeah. Fled away because they were bleeding. But Sean and Scott were able to identify him. So he's on the run in their car. They're able to identify him because someone, I think it was Melissa Miller, showed them the missing persons uh, poster that was being oh, circulated yep. for oh, Randall Lee oh, Smith. Yes, yes. And was like, is this the guy? And I guess Sean was like, that's the guy, but his name is Ricky Williams. And she was like, it's not. No, it's not. Like, this is him. And they were like, yeah, he killed two people in on the Appalachian Trail like years ago. So now the police are like, oh, great. We have to go find this car. So they put out a bolo. They finally tracked the car. They, they went on a like huge car chase after him. He ended up flipping the truck at the end of it and crashing. He lived, but he was arrested on the spot and charged with two counts of attempted murder. He was brought in for treatment to uh, New River Regional Jail Medical Unit, and he died of a blood clot soon after arriving. It just traveled to his oh, heart. Oh, that makes me so mad. So he died in jail, but he was only he was 54 years old. He looked about 110. If you look up a picture of him, oh he God. looked like he was already dead. Wait, you like, said he was 54? 54. She showed me the photo of him. Actually, while you were on vacation, I was on your computer yes. and I opened the tab by accident. I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what? Because it was just a picture of him sitting there, like, looking like the Crypt Keeper. You know, I um, kind of want to look it up right you now. You should. It's so horrifying. He looks like Jigsaw. He does. Like, he looks just like Jigsaw. He's got Jigsaw vibes. 54? For sure. Oh my God. Yeah, he looked to be like 200. Okay. I don't know who I just looked up, but it came up... It came up with this like Victorian guy and he was like pretty hot. I'm and like, you're like, okay, wait, wait hold a on. second. <laughs> you're like, couldn't be him. Couldn't yeah, no. be. Couldn't oh. be Randall. Yeah. He, do- he, yeah. this man, 
Yes, that I'm man. looking at the same photo. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the, the pic that I scared the shit out of myself 54. with. Okay, look at this one, Cassie. That one's even worse. This, I'm on that one too. <laughs> That's so scary. His his bad his badness was leaking out of every pore of him. No, I that tell man you. is a wow. literal monster, like yeah. in every sense of the word. He is as nasty outside as. Okay, inside. anyone who agreed to eat dinner in the woods with this guy yeah. was a saint. Yes, yes, truly. I would run screaming in the other direction. I'd be like, and "You gotta go away." What a weird pathology he has! Like to eat dinner with people and then, and try then to murder kill them. them. Yeah, yeah. Such an intimate setting again. Yeah, to just right. be like, yeah. "Yeah, we'll share a meal. We'll chat. We'll probably learn about each other's lives over yeah. a meal." Yeah, and then to do that, it's oh, so oh wild. And who knows, like. If those two men didn't survive, who would have been next? Because exactly. clearly, clearly, this is something that he would have continued. Yeah, of course. He's got an MO for sure. It's like he stopped being monitored and he lasted two more years before the known one, at least. Who knows? Right. We don't know if there's True. any out there that... I, that's what I was just thinking. You know, and it's like he only lasted two years before he did the exact same thing. But how scary is it, too, that, like, if there weren't any in the middle, he just waited for 20 years. And you know yeah. he was sitting in that cell being like, like, I know... I know what I'm going to do when oh, I get yeah. out. And Just as soon waiting. as I'm a free man, like, as soon as he got the chance, like, that's what he's going to do. And it's like, you're, so he was clearly, like, out at, in the Appalachian Trail a lot. Like, like neighbors said, he was still hiking. He was still going out all the time during his monitor, monitoring period and everything. Right. People would see him out there. Like, he was spending a lot of time going right back to where he was. And it's like, so you were, to me, like, from what I read, obviously, I've not been on the trail, but it's like, from what I read, like you were saying, like, everyone seems like they're real chill out there, and everybody's, like, really kind and just, like, helping each other out and looking. Wouldn't that, like, how does that not rub off on you in any way? Like, you just, like, and you immediately are, like, these two guys are, like, yeah, come fishing with us. Because you're just a Have sociopath. some dinner. We're just hanging out. And you try to kill them? Like, what? Who are yeah, you? A monster. Like, truly. The fact that law enforcement knew that he was still hiking, because he was monitored while he yeah. was hiking, right? Yeah. So they knew he was out there and they didn't find that odd. Yeah, no one was like, maybe you shouldn't do that. Like, Maybe I... he's going back to old patterns. Exactly. Right. Because if, for the end of this, what they find later, because they went back out to the places where people were saying they were seeing him in those weeks that he was missing from his home. And they found a campsite of his and it had a like big pile of just crap in it from him. And there was some strange stuff in there that make me question if like, there's other cases that are going to be linked to him because they found audio recordings of chanting and moaning and screaming. Uh-huh. Yeah. Of him just, or just, other people? Just like sounds. Like they like, couldn't distinguish. They couldn't distinguish if they were other okay. people or what. There was a lot of like, um, they tried to attribute it to like the Wiccan religion items, but I was like, yeah, Wiccans don't normally like go murder people. Like, I don't know if that's... It's not a violent... It's not a violent... No. <laughs> like, it's actually all about like worshipping the, the world and like the earth. Yeah, I was like, I think you got that wrong. But there was also a police scanner out there and there was a list of like um, police codes that would be called on the scanner so he could understand exactly and a ton of knives them. a ton of different knives and then they found at least eight pairs of women's underwear oh, no. and a pile of women's sunglasses oh and eyeglasses that's like some some uh wrong turn shit yeah 
that's some wrong turn Wolf Creek, like, terrifying shit. Oh, that's creepy. Because it's like he could have either killed more people or was in probably and or was like breaking into people's campsites exactly. and stealing things it and maybe like either. preparing for things and like doing who knows what he was up to oh my god that just gave me like the piles of stuff yeah just it's so invasive like because but i mean best case scenario quote unquote these women weren't killed exactly and they were just that you know had their things rifled through that is just it's such an invasion of privacy and like it makes you so feel like okay well obviously these came from somewhere so am i even safe exactly you know and a lot of people who are on the at or do camp in general anywhere there is always kind of a even as peaceful and as great as a trip as it is there's always kind of like a i'm literally in a (laughs) canvas sided or like polyester like there is a flap of fabric separating me and the rest of the world and a lot of the times it's more so you're concerned about like wildlife depending (laughs) on where you are and things like that not necessarily other people but of course that's going to be something in the back of your mind and just imagine waking up and like getting up and being like where are my underwear oh yeah i can't even fathom that because and it's like okay i know that that it's the only piece it's not like something ripped through my bag and everything's missing it's like just this garment they chose one thing right one thing and so you know that someone was there Mm -hmm. and they know that you are gonna find out that this is yeah it's just a it's so creepy. Well, my mind first goes to sexual assault. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Is yeah. That, yeah. especially because they thought, like, he could have possibly done it before. And if he has sunglasses and women's underwear, it just feels like they're these weird souvenirs. And yep. also, I think that that would be less likely to be reported. Mm-hmm. Or exactly. it's not his MO, so he so wouldn't be the person. It. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I was thinking, too. And imagine, like you were just saying, Danielle, like waking up and realizing that and then having to continue your trip. Yeah. Because you're in the middle of nowhere and like you still have to keep hiking. Yep. That's so scary. You still have to sleep out there. Yeah. Well, I will probably tell this story uh, at length in another at another time, but I have had I wasn't on the trail, but I had someone when I was in college in my first apartment ever I woke up to someone in my room oh my god and I essentially I woke up and my boyfriend at the time was sound asleep oh next my god. to me and I woke up I thought it was him like of course touching me because why my would leg. you and I wake up and I'm like pissed that I think it's him like trying to do something while I'm asleep <laughs> like I was You're sleeping like, what the hell? I'm like what the fuck and I wake up and I see his back <gasps> turned away from me that is a nightmare and it was in the middle of the night I'm it was New Year's You're so I went to sleep drunk right oh my god I was like what is happening right now and I turn over and there's a guy standing there and he just went <gasps> no, oh, no, no, stop. no 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 and I was just like okay um oh my I guess no one else can chills. see me so um I was like the shish the little like, like symbol symbol yeah, yeah. And I was just oh. like, I was frozen. Like, we talk about, Ka- Cassie and I talk about this all the time. Like, fight, 
flight or freeze and I fucking froze because what else are you gonna do you're you're in your most vulnerable position yeah. I was just like what do I do and he just backed out of the house and just left and I was just like for literally 30 <sighs> seconds straight which is the longest 30 seconds of my whole life I was just like what just happened oh my god and I wake up Nick at the time and he's like he's like wait what and like Liam Neeson he's like <laughs> I'm out of here. Like, I love it. I'm going. Hell I'm yeah. And I'm like, get okay, him? first of all, what are you going to do? You're Punch not him. clothed. And, you're, not clothed. Um, you're not clothed. And you have no idea what's going on. It's the middle of the night. Like, you guys whatever. aren't sober either, too, We're right? not sober. I mean, it's like... <laughs> We're in college. Yeah. We're in college. And so I'm just like what the fuck happened and he was like he kind of he didn't do it intentionally but he was just like are you sure mm. that happened he's like because there's no force entry like there's like and my roommates who lived with me I had two roommates all of their stuff was there their laptops were out our purses were on the counters like oh, there's nothing missing but like, it's like yeah. that's clearly what not do you what mean? he was there for he was there to like fuck with you you know this is also over 10 years ago now so I'm just kind of like yeah maybe i know because right. you start questioning know. like what the hell happened yeah there? i'm like i'm not sure actually and he's like maybe you just had a really fucking weird dream like who knows and i'm like yeah i don't know and he kind of convinced me we go back to sleep and then the next morning he's in the shower i'm getting stuff ready and i realized that both of our phones and wallets are gone oh my god out of our pants like what? the pockets of the pants so i'm like okay this definitely fucking happened yeah you're like okay and, <laughs> yeah and so it's just like the invasion of like you are here for a reason and you took these things like that have no value we're fucking college kids yeah right like, we have a flip phone and a dollar <laughs> like a one dollar. single dollar yeah. bill like so you have our information you know where i live Ooh. you didn't take anything of value what and you, you woke me up do? intentionally. Like, That's it's just, the part that just gets me. So it's like the invasion of like you are here for this one little thing. And it's just I, that was a really long roundabout story to tell. <laughs> like just so I, I understand that yeah. like invasion of what the fuck. Like and this could have led to something way worse oh my god and yeah. nothing ever came of this like did you find out who did this no Ooh. but you did danielle you found your id <gasps> oh yeah okay oh my god there's another layer to <laughs> oh, this i was story. gonna say I'm, I'm, invested. I'm invested <laughs> i'm like skip my story just <laughs> yeah. tell yours yeah forget that <laughs> so this is i obviously like freak out and I tell my parents who, of course, now I have really no money. I have no means of communication. I had to find literal change throughout the house, go oh to a payphone and call my my family because this is um, like it was like Christmas break. So my roommates were gone. I couldn't use their like everyone's off campus. My God. And that's even scarier, too. Yeah. So I'm just like, OK, so I finally get to them. They, you know, come help me, whatever. We reinforce the shitty apartment I'm in. And I don't know, like a month goes by and campus security called me and they're like, hey, someone turned in your, it was like, it wasn't my driver's license. It was the ID that you use to like get into like the dining commons yeah, yeah. and whatever the fuck. And I was like, oh, okay. 
because I was like, I had it reissued, but I do lose things a lot. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I guess like maybe I dropped it or something. Yeah. I'll go get it. Yeah. And I go in and they're like, oh, here you go. And it's my original one. No. From my wallet. No. That was taken. Where did they find it? They just found it on campus. They said someone so, turned they it said in. They said someone turned it in. So I wonder if like that guy just dropped it somewhere and somebody was like, oh, let me be helpful. Or like, did he turn it in? I don't. Yeah. yeah. I hate it. And I'm sorry, how much how much um time in between? Like there's like a month. So I wonder it, like he could have to like remind you that it happened. I oh. know because if I'm thinking like if it was truly dropped mm-hmm. like in the moment, I mean that would have happened like pretty immediately. Yeah, like someone exactly. would have been like, "Oh, here you go." And I also lived off campus. I mean, it was walking distance, but like if someone just found that on the street near my apartment, they wouldn't have gone all the way onto campus yeah. and turned it in. Like, it would have had to be. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So anyways, it was just my theory is there was construction going on. They were building new off-campus housing literally right next door to my shitty apartment and it was break so nobody was in my parking lot because everyone had left and it was just my car there so i think someone was like watching around and they know like it's like were all your roommates like female too yeah my all my roommates were female and so they probably know like this one girl is alone yeah and my boyfriend at the time didn't like he didn't have a car right yeah so they would never know i don't they wouldn't have known that he was there. So they just thought you were alone. My God. And Which is like, what were they like... planning to do if you were alone? Right. And well, just to think the that thing. they were casing your apartment, like, ah. I know. Like, oh, that was purely God. to terrorize you. Like, that was all, every part of that was terrorizing. I know. It's like, okay, so you intentionally woke me up to That's scare the me. part that killed, that's like the terrorizing. thing. Oh, I hate oh, the shush thing. Yeah. As soon as you did that, I screamed. To, like, let you know that they could get in. Ooh. And then, like, no panic. He just, like, backs out of the place. Like, he, just ba- he just literally went like that, the shish thing. And, and walked And slowly backwards. backed out and just shut the door. It <laughs> wasn't like, oh, shit, she's awake. I have to go. That's even scarier. Because, and you said he, like, touched her leg to wake you up. Yep. Ooh. I hate it. Yep. Girlfriend. I hate it. <laughs> Oh, oh my god. god, you just like rocked our shit on <laughs> sorry. a fucking Wednesday. Oh my I'm god. Like, oh. I know, I like a crack a dawn. Yeah, sorry. Ooh. I mean, and I don't mean to laugh about it because it's obviously like No, it's like horrific. a nervous laugh. But it's like kind of like I can't even fucking believe that happened to yeah. me. Yeah. Like I feel like that was I mean, first of all, it was so long ago, but also it was like an out of body experience. Yeah. It's like this is not happening right now. It's like when <laughs> like, sleep paralysis happens. Every cause I get sleep paralysis and oh when I'm I so sorry. it's horrible. And when you wake up, you see something in your room with you. Every I see it and I'm oh and every time that it happens, I don't realize it's sleep paralysis. So my brain immediately goes, and I'm sure this is what yours did. It's just like, is this really happening? Like, is someone actually in my, like, this is really what's going to happen right yeah. now? Like, someone's in my room? It's always that, like, weird, like, train of thinking where you're just like, oh, shit, this is, like, this is actually happening. Right. The thing I have feared is happening. Someone's in my room. Yeah. And luckily yeah. mine and goes away because it's not well, real. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I can't and imagine honestly, realizing it's real. Yeah, yeah. it is. The, the things your brain do when you're in a fight or flight or... Yeah. Yeah. It, not even that or just like a situation a traumatic type of situation you think you would have a t- like 
if someone presented me with that and we're like, what would you do? I think I would have had a completely different yeah. reaction than what I actually did, <laughs> which was nothing. Right. <laughs> so, just freeze. Which is what know, I would do. Because I, I don't know. And who knows what would have happened if I did have a different reaction. I have no idea. I don't fucking know. And it's like, yeah, I have, I don't think I've ever told that story on the podcast, but Cassie no. is certainly knows, has, wow. uh, knows. And yeah, it's just, you know, I feel for people who have been in those situations and especially ones who you find out later that were in that situation and didn't make it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I know how it feels in that first moment yeah, of right. like, what is happening right of now? Somebody is in my room right Just now. Just like yeah. chaos. Like, wow. Yeah. That is everyone's Whoa. worst nightmare. Yeah. Literally. I'm going to have yeah. nightmares tonight. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. So sorry to derail this whole thing. No, I'm sorry. That <laughs> no, I'm happened sorry to that you. happened to you. Jesus. <laughs> I'm glad you're here telling the story Me today. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's that's exactly it. Like the And when you're camping, you don't even have the the like luxury quote unquote of, of a, a door <laughs> like it's just like it's like a zipper literally a zipper. anybody yeah. can just walk into anybody's thing and just yeah. unzip the thing i can't fathom that yep and i mean we say this all the time in regards to camping like because a lot of people are afraid mm -hmm. to camp outside or do go by themselves or whatever and i I can totally understand that. I mean, I'm a huge baby. Like Cassie <laughs> will solo hike and I'm just like oh. so scared too. But it's like it just goes to show like my story, everybody else's story that has gone through something like this. Like it happens way more often in places you think you're safe. It's mm -hmm. true. It really does. And so like that's our biggest thing is we don't want to deter anyone mm -hmm. from hiking and exploring and camping because just because some awful things have happened there because awful things ha can happen anywhere everywhere yeah. and it's like the more more cases you're gonna hear that somebody was just lying in bed in their locked house or locked apartment and mm -hmm. somebody comes in like we have like a sneeze full of outdoor crimes that have committed Honestly. on our library that we've done like yeah. we yeah 90 percent of them are homes with a lock and a door and sponsored yeah. by simply safe simplysafe.com Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Literally, yeah, home security, like to live in an age that we have that option, like yeah. people who don't have that, like, please take advantage of it yeah. because you won't ever regret it. Phenomenal. Sort of. It's really... <laughs> I love my yeah. little panic button. <laughs> I, I love my little boop boop when somebody opens yeah. the yep. door. <laughs> love it yes, all. it's like love a that. yeah, it's a comforting feeling knowing it that is. you yeah you have that. It's a nice anyway. line of defense. <laughs> all right, well, so that was my for tale. sharing. Sorry that I horrified <laughs> <Okey> everybody. <laughs> How do I follow that up, everybody? Jesus. <laughs> Well, I'm excited that you picked the Grand Canyon to go to for your story. That's true. We went there for one story, but it was a long time ago. And I think it's very different than the story that you're telling. But the Grand Canyon is just such a, um, I think when you think of national parks, the first one many people think of and gravitate towards is the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. 
it's just so massive and it's just so different than most of the landscape in the United States. And it's um, it's just such a cool park. And it is located in the northwestern corner of Arizona and it's close to like Utah and Nevada. So it's, or Nevada, sorry. If you yeah, say Nevada, I'll... Nevada people are pissed. Oh, that's happened to us before. And I mm. literally always forget that there's even another way to say it. Like when I try to remember the other way to say it, I'm like, how else do you say it? <laughs> I know. Well, trust me, I we say the word mountains about 5,000 times every episode. And I don't say the T, I say mountains. Mountains. Oh, I do too. And mountains. That's how I would yeah. say it. Mountains. Riots have ensued. Riots. (laughs) Oh, well, I say the T that actually does exist and exactly, and people either really love that or fucking hate it. I'm like, sorry for pronouncing words. Yeah, they're like, it's mountains, stupid. I'm like, sorry. I just... And then you say like, mountains, and they're like, it's mountains, stupid. I'm like, I, I didn't know there were like, so many ways you are to say gaslighting mountains. me. It's, it's also, <laughs> I can't know the regional pronunciation of every single place in the entire yeah, United States. I know. And is it the it's, beauty of the world that we all speak differently? Yeah, regional like, dialects. Just shut up and let me talk. And especially New England, yeah. it's like, we, we talk a lot different. Yeah, <laughs> say Worcester. How about that? Look at the word Worcester and say it. And say it out loud Chester. to my face. Yeah, right now. <laughs> say Lemonster. Look at it and yeah. tell me that it says Lemonster. Yeah. Read any, any town in Massachusetts. And situate. Then... <laughs> situate. Say situate. Hang them. All yep. of them. I don't know. It's like, okay, can we agree when I say mountain, you know what I'm speaking about? It's yeah. That's so funny. Th- like I would never landform. I would never even pick up on that because I say yeah. mountain. I yeah, don't. Same. We didn't, I never knew I was wrong yeah. until I said it out loud on a podcast. Oh, you so. find out a lot about yourself when you start a podcast. Like, I didn't know that I say rum like rum. Yeah. That's like, oh, apparently that's a very New England rum. thing. And it I is. didn't realize it. I found out that my voice is actually not my voice. Somebody was like, <laughs> you don't talk like that. And my friend of 10 years was like, no, she does. Like, she always has. And they were like, no, she doesn't. And I was like, oh, cool. Who knew? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. You know what one word I learned and it I didn't learn it that I said it this way until I moved down south, but everyone made fun of me for it. Um because I lived down um near Tennessee for a few years and when I went down there, I guess I say both like or both instead of both. I add an L into oh, it. I'll be oh. like both. 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 <laughs> both. Both. How, and how do I say it? I know now I'm like, how both. do I say it? Both. Yeah, I say you both. both. But you say both. both. You That's both. like yeah, I like say like clothes both of you. and people think I say it weird. Both of yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, it's just like I all these little things and people are like, That's wrong. I'm like, do I have an L now? I feel like I might. If I say like okay, here's the thing, both. did anyone threaten your life for saying it that way? <laughs> That's the real crux of the issue. That's always the crux. <laughs> So anyway, it's like, do you have any education at all? And I'm like, yes, I do. You're like, I swear I do. You're like, who cares? This is how I talk. I'm here, okay? (laughs) Anyway, we're going to the Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. (laughs) (laughs) Let's Grand Canyon it up. The Grand Canyon where that place doesn't care how you say it no the grand canyon <laughs> the grand, grand. canyon this is the grand day the grand canyon the grand canyon is 200 <laughs> okay now you're not speaking any language that we you're understand. speaking in cursive <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true <laughs> 
Well, it is 277 miles long, which is 446 kilometers. And there are two major cities that are closest to the Grand Canyon. So there's Fe- there's Phoenix and Las Vegas. So it makes it a really popular destination because it's easy to get to. And it's also not too far from Tucson as well. So there's just like so many different ports you can get into to get there. So it's one of the reasons why it is so visited, besides it being insanely beautiful. I've never seen it and I've always wanted to. Me either. It's on my list of places to go. I gotta see it. Yeah. I've seen it. Well, I say I haven't seen it. I've flown over it and I can see it from the plane. Oh, that's That's pretty cool. So that was cool. I love that. It's like, oh, there it is. I'm here. I've been here. (laughs) Kind of. Can you just touch down really quick? (laughs) It's like, just like parachute me out. (laughs) It's funny because it's a national park now, obviously a huge national park, but it was actually first a national monument. It was established as a national monument in 1903 by President Theodore Roosevelt. And he stepped off his train and he walked over and he declared it as, quote, a natural wonder absolutely unparalleled throughout the rest of the world and made it a national monument. I love Imagine, imagine having, having that, that power. power. <laughs> that was wild. I think you guys do oh, have okay. that power. <laughs> you got some like, kind of power. It's like, damn, you just like walk off a train and you're like, natural wonder. National I monument. So. I say so. Yeah. It's like the world designates this. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he was the conservation president and he helped establish like different national forests and national parks. And it's funny because I'm actually working on a episode right now that I'm writing about Theodore Roosevelt National Park and um, more of his story, which goes like very lengthy and a lot of stuff. But he was part of the Grand Canyon being established as a national park. And like I kind of said earlier, tons of people visit and tons of people is there's almost six million people who visit the Grand Canyon National Park every single year. Oh my God. Wow. That's nuts. People want to see that wonder, you know? It's true. Well, it's also one of those places where you can visit year round. It's not if you go further north and there's snow all the time, you can go there any time of year and visit, which makes it a really cool destination because you're like, I'm I'm freezing. I'm going to go hang out at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I'm going to hang at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> also, as magnificent and beautiful and wonderful as the Grand Canyon is, it is filled with a lot of stories of death and there's hauntings there's been plane crashes helicopter crashes people fall off cliffs there there's just a lot of um morbid stuff that happens inside of the Grand Canyon. And um, as of 2021, around 900 people have died there. Whoa. And it's a lot. And on average, 11 people die there every single year. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, I can imagine just because there's all those cliffs everywhere and there's wildlife. Yeah. uh, Well, in the heat. Heat exhaustion and... um, dehydration and things like that Mm. of course play a role yeah and that's a big one there and then some of it too is from the colorado river because there's drownings because so many people do kayaking trips and river rafting trips down that's exactly Mm -hmm. what i'm gonna talk about hey that's perfect because that will lead me right into your story look at that my gosh look at that it's like we we planned this and we didn't even (laughs) so yeah I'm going to talk about the Grand Canyon or the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon. Um, And the Colorado River rapids run through that national park. And somebody that really loved that national park and the Colorado Colorado River rapids was Morganheimer. 
So Morgan Heimer was a 22-year-old guy, and he absolutely loved nature. I think you guys would have gotten along well with him. (laughs) He had grown up in Wyoming, and from an early age, he just loved being outside. He completely fell in love with, like, camping and swimming and hiking, just anything he could do outside he wanted to do. Uh, His family said that he was an excellent swimmer and had a ton of outdoor experience. So he'd gone to the University of Wyoming, he studied English, and once he was finished there, he decided that he really just wanted to pursue a career that would keep him outside. And so working for a rafting company couldn't have been more up his alley. And the specific company that he went to work for at the time of his disappearance was Tour West. So they hire guides who will take out visitors um, out on rafting tours, and they can just take in the sights and hang out together, and it's supposed to be a great time. And that's exactly what he was doing in June of 2015. And he was so looking forward to this job. He actually wrote at the end of the previous year, um, like New Year's 2015, he said, this year I've gained confidence in every aspect of my life. I'm more driven to continue moving forward than ever before. I can't even begin to express the depth of my love for this world in writing, but this is my thank you note to every one of you who have made this year what it was. Oh. So he was really looking forward to 2015. Um, And he loved working for Tour West. And before this specific trip that I'll talk about today, he had been a guide on many previous trips. He'd actually done this same run that he was set to be doing numerous times before. And all of those trips were successful, went off without any hitch whatsoever. So this specific trip, they were heading out in June of 2015. It was an eight-day rafting trip going on. And he was going to be one of the guides coming along to lead the trip. Now, by June 2nd, the group was actually six days into the trip. And they had just arrived at Pumpkin Spring, which have you guys seen Pumpkin Spring? No. Mm -mm. It's so cool. It's adorable. It it really is adorable. (laughs) It is at mile marker 213. And it's one of the main landmarks that people really love to visit on a trip to the uh, Grand Canyon. It's this massive orangey rock formation that kind of just juts outside of the wall of the canyon. And it got its pumpkin name because it's kind of round or it is round in shape. And it looks like a pumpkin was just tucked onto the side of the canyon. I just looked it up. It is cute. (laughs) It looks just like it looks like a fall decoration that they they were like, this fits nicely here. Like a giant just stuck a big giant pumpkin in the side. <laughs> he was like, I like to decorate. <laughs> it's like fall, bitches. <laughs> and it's like, even in really cool. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's even got like vertical streaks going yeah. up and down the sides it, like a real pumpkin would. I yeah. love it. Uh, the only unfortunate thing about it is that you should not swim inside of it. People recommend that you actually don't go too close to it to like don't touch the water because there are super high levels of different metals like zinc, lead, copper, and everybody's favorite, arsenic. So oh, yeah, don't go swimming I'm, there. I'm literally looking at a photo of a guy touching the water. Awesome. Yeah, I was looking at a photo of a guy like within the water and I was like, you should get out. Fully sir. immersed within the water. Like, yeah. That's not safe. You have lead poisoning now. You yeah. have all the poisonings now. You, you got to look at pumpkin rock from afar. Just yeah. appreciate yeah. it from a distance. Yeah, an aerial distance Despite even. Despite the cute name. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's misleading. And it probably looks better from afar, too, because it's like, oh, pumpkin. Take it all in. Yeah. Can't really tell you. Like, maybe that is a pumpkin. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> Let me get sure. further from the toxic metals. <laughs> so the group is heading out to see Pumpkin Rock. They make it there. They get their rafts all settled. They start exploring around. Hopefully they did not jump in. They have a great time. And at about four in the afternoon, they decide that they're ready to keep going. And it's also getting later. So they're like, we're probably going to set up camp soon. So they're getting all their boats set up to take off. And while everybody he was doing so, Morgan, who I was talking about earlier, and the actual leader of the trip, they were standing near a cliff just chatting. And Morgan said something to this uh, lead guide about just taking the rest of the afternoon off. 
And as he was talking to the guide, one of the people that they were like, uh, one of the clients, we'll call them, who was on the tour, had a question for this lead tour guide. So the tour guide turned around to answer him, had a really brief conversation. And when he turned around, Morgan was gone, like totally gone. And he was like, well, we were just having a conversation. Like, where'd he go? weird so he kind of peeks around a little bit and he's like i don't know like he must have just taken the rest of the afternoon off like he was saying so we'll just keep going like he must have just headed out uh that was not the case the afternoon continued and a couple of the people that were on the trip were like hey where's morgan but they were like oh he just took the rest of the day off uh but if he had taken the rest of the day off they expected him to at least come back for dinner and he didn't arrive for dinner the guest ate dinner, they went swimming, and at this point, they really actually are setting up camp. And somebody's like, where's Morgan? He should be back by now. So at this point, it was very clear that something was wrong and everybody was getting very antsy. And he hadn't arrived back by 726 that night. So one of the group members reported him missing, called the police and reported him missing. Morgan was described as a 22-year-old male, six feet tall, 175 pounds, blonde hair, blue eyes. He was last seen wearing a dark-colored astral personnel flotation device, a blue plaid long sleeve shirt, a pair of Chaco, I think, flip-flop sandals, a maroon baseball cap, and brightly colored shorts. He also had a purple water bottle with him, and on the side of his calf, he has a cross tattoo. So that's what he looked like, that's what he was wearing, and those are some distinguishing characteristics. Now, immediately a massive search ensued. There were search and rescue teams, park rangers, co-workers, even people on that trip that were looking for Morgan. They were using binoculars to see if they could see anybody like lurking in a more secluded spot. They had helicopters, boats, all kinds of means were used to search. And the search um, radius was about 15 miles all around where he was last seen. And then they even went as far as a place called Diamond Creek, which is about 12 miles west of Pumpkin Spring. And they could not find this guy anywhere. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense that he would just like like go missing or even just that he like fell into the water because he was wearing a flotation device and he was again a very skilled outdoorsman. So if he had fallen into the river, you would think that the flotation device would have kept him afloat and you would also think that he would have yelled out like ah yeah. or like hey, I'm falling Something. like just or, anything. Right. Help down here anything but nobody splash yeah literally any noise nobody heard anything and again there's a lot of people on this trip they didn't hear anything so the searcher said at the time quote he definitely has the skills and ability to perform the job and be a person we have a high likelihood to find but to this day he's never been found what he just vanished he just completely vanished with vanished without a trace and the searchers now say that they assume he must have drowned and was carried by the strong currents because there's like white water rapids out there but how did that happen yeah like nobody heard anything when did he drown that's wild so strange so they said like all the areas where the white water is the rapids are it's really impossible to search those areas so the search was scaled back after six full days and now instead of an active search it's a more limited search rangers and pilots in the area search while they're in that specific location but it, they're not mandated to yeah. be searching constantly so he literally just vanished without a trace and when did this happen this was in 2015 oh okay so this wow. is 
a while ago now. And as a way to remember Morgan and as a way to honor his love for the outdoors, his family actually worked with the Institute for Shipboard Education and they set up the Morgenheimer Memorial Scholarship Fund. So it does seem like they think he's like not going to return. Um, And according to this semester at Sea website, the scholarship quote has the ability to offer a new beginning, fresh perspective and unparalleled educational experience to a future semester at Sea Voyager. And it will be awarded annually to recipients who state a spirit of adventure, love of people or desire to experience new cultures. And again, this missing persons investigation, it's still ongoing. So anybody with information on the location of Morganheimer should contact the National Park Service tip line at 928-638-7840. My first thought is if he did drown and his body was carried away, I feel like the splash, the lack of a splash or anyone really seeing anything is kind of odd. But if he was to fall and maybe had like struck his head on something and was knocked unconscious, Mm -hmm. that may be a reason that he wasn't vocal. And a lot of times like people say like you think of people actively drowning from the movies of like splashing around like help Mm -hmm. help help and being vocal but it's some most of the times it's not like that it's like a silent thing yeah so if he did have some sort of blunt force trauma that rendered him unconscious he couldn't speak and then he drowned and was carried away and was just never found which obviously doesn't make it any less horrific yeah Yeah. but that's like my only i'm like that's the only logical thing i can think of but it is just so then what about the flotation device yeah, that's the thing. I he was mean, wearing it's one. that. Yeah, that's the thing that's super weird. He has like there was a, he was with a lot of people, and that's also kind of when you were saying that it's like oh where's Morgan? It's like oh yeah he's just away for the afternoon. It's like it's like telephone. It's like as soon as yeah. one person says something, everyone just accepts it, and they're like mm-hmm. oh yeah he's he's fine. away for the afternoon. It's right. Fine. Yeah. But he was also the guide. So wouldn't it be kind of weird for him to just disappear for the whole afternoon? Yeah, there was other guides too. Like he was along as a guide and then there was a lead guide. But still, yeah, I guess but that still, maybe they like, like took turns leading or something like that. But yeah, like they I got their own breaks and but it's still just like it's your own trip and you're gone for I guess they I mean, they did report it at 726 that night. So right. He wasn't gone for that long, but it's just so I don't know, weird. but even like you said, he so was strange. in an active conversation with somebody. That's that, the weird yeah. thing is that he hadn't even technically gotten permission to take the rest of the afternoon off. You yeah. Know? Yeah. He and then the guy just turns around and he's gone. Yeah. And like no yeah. one saw him. Like no one was like, "Oh yeah, I saw him go that way." Right. Like that. Nobody said that. That's weird. Super strange. It's like he literally just vanished into thin air. And I guess another possible ex- explanation could be that you know he wandered off into the wilderness and like j- did True. take his afternoon off and ran into some trouble out there that he couldn't handle. I guess. Wow. True. And I mean, the as experience, like as a outdoors men or woman you are um person it's just nature always wins yep. yeah um, there's always much. something that you can't prepare for yeah we've i mean all, most of our stories that when people lose their lives it's like these are very experienced people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you hear that a lot yeah you know mm-hmm. and so that's a total valid point too it's like maybe he wasn't in the water at all right yeah and he was just somewhere else and something happened i mm-hmm. almost lean more to that theory just because of the flotation device yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Because that is that is very odd because you would think that even if he did drown and was unconscious, his body would have been visible, I would think. I would for... think somewhere. Or like, I don't know, washed up somewhere, like un- like could have gotten caught somewhere. Like you would think that he would have turned up. Because they immediately looked yeah. for him. So it's not like this was like weeks and weeks later that yeah. they were suddenly like, oh, we should look for him. And like, you know, that's when you're like, okay, you I might mean, not find him. I guess there was, there was three hours, three and a half hours in between the time that he went missing and the time he was reported. So depending on how fast those rapids are going, he could have gotten caught up mm-hmm. in them and really gone far. But still, again, where, why didn't he turn up? Yeah. Oh, that is so sad. That I know. is so sad. There's so many possibilities, too, because, of course, in the Grand Canyon, when you're in, like, certain heat and stuff, you can always heat exhaustion, confusion, like, if he was disoriented for any reason or any, like, there's just so many things that could happen. And we said earlier how huge the Grand Canyon is. Yeah. That there's just so many places that he could be that um, it's just, it's a really tragic story. You just feel so bad for his family because it's like, they just don't have an answer as to what happened to their son or their brother or anything that's literally what i was about to say was just those are i think the hardest because the outcome there is no closure and i mean i hate to even say that word because you know there is never i i personally believe that there is no closure when you are the person that's losing a loved one yeah that there is no closure for you as far as like you know, yeah, getting over, quote unquote, or moving forward from the left of loss of a loved one, but like finality, the very least knowing right where their remains are, what happened, mm-hmm. like and having a place that, to visit them and remember right. them, and even right. knowing if they are alive or dead. Like you yeah. assume right. they are not alive anymore mm-hmm. in this case, but you're like. I don't know that because, like, we don't have a body. We've right. never seen a body. We don't have any kind of scene or anything like that. Like, and no matter what, you're going to hold out. I would probably end up holding out hope forever. Right. Like, until you gave me a body Same. that told me, I don't think I could be able to accept completely that they were gone. Because it's almost like your own survival mode that you have to go into. And you yeah. would probably just have, it's better to imagine that he is still out there alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really tragic case. I hope that he does eventually get found i would hope alive but even just so his family could have something you know yeah of course yeah and i guess the kind of hopeful side of that is that it was a while ago but it was still kind of recently where Mm -hmm. there still might be people like that will hear this story or just will hear his story some way and be like i was there that day like i remember seeing him you know so there's still plenty of people that might there might be someone out there that still has the information that could help. It has even one piece to the puzzle. Definitely. So call yeah. that phone number if you do and you're listening. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Well, that we had a lot of ups and downs. We I did. Feel like, we did. In the last hour and a half. <laughs> that was a wild ride. That was. It's um, always a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. But uh, thank you for coming on. It was it was great to catch up with you guys again thank Thank you for sharing your stories and um i would say we have to do this again because i'm putting it out there in the future i love that because i was gonna say the same thing i was like we have to do it again (laughs) (laughs) more two is not enough Well, thank you so, so much for joining us, you guys. This was so much fun. It was great to record with you and hear the stories. Thanks for doing all the research that you did. And I guess for everyone else, we will see you next week or next episode whenever we're putting out another episode. So in the meantime, enjoy the view. But watch your back. Bye.
Bye. Thank you for joining us again this week. If you have a trail tale you'd like to share, send us an email at npadstories at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at National Park After Dark and on Twitter at NPAD Podcast. Become an outsider by joining our Patreon where you'll gain access to monthly bonus stories and exclusive content. And remember, when you support our partners, you're supporting our show. To access our special discount codes along with source information from today's episode, check out the show notes. For information on the show, to shop our merch store, sign up for our newsletter and more, visit npadpodcast.com. And if you're enjoying the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.